The Sideline Cut Podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements for your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie. And you're very welcome along to the Sideline Cut Podcast with Solar Choices of Limerick. We're back for the second instalment ahead of a massive game against Clare at the two scale at grounds in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship this Saturday evening. Uh, we'll look back on that big win over Waterford as well with Limerick just getting over the line in that one. And Marty Morrissey, he joins us for a chat as well. None other than the famous Clare man himself to look ahead to the massive clash with the banner. James, Jim, Bob, Ryan, my co-host, joins me again this week. And Jim, Bob, I suppose it's good news that we're back for a second instalment and we haven't uh, been shown the road. Yeah, um, whoever made that call, fair play to them. <laughs> they made the right call. And I suppose just on last, last week's show, I'd just like to uh, thank all those people that texted me during the week to say, oh, you weren't that bad at sideline cuts and don't be so hard on yourself. So all them people, I'll name out, no, oh yeah, that was no one. <laughs> so... Uh, just all the people who are slagging me all week uh, I always said a sideline cut is a sign of negative play or bad play Luke that uh, if the ball goes out over the line that way it's either wrong decision making bad puck or whatever the game is north to south that's where the goals are so that's why I never practised not believe in sideline cuts just to get that straight for today <laughs> How did your week go overall? Obviously you got some great response to the pod which was great you took in a big game between Limerick and Waterford as well with Limerick getting over the line just other than that Yeah sure look I suppose we'll be talking a, a good bit of about it the whole week given my job and given my life and I suppose the, the talk around the street is the hurling match and, and certain aspects of it so look on, on that aspect and we'll be going more delving more into the game and obviously the Clare game this week as well um, it's just great to have Championship Hurling back I am, we were saying it all during the year the league was a little bit dead even though we won it we'll take it we'll, we'll run a mile with it but it just didn't have the same passion or intensity or competitiveness as the Munster Championship and even the fact the Clare and Tip and obviously Limerick and Waterford kicked off the hurling there in Munster it was just it was a good week in that sense and there's a lot of talking points to, about the whole match so that has been the talk all week I think it's it's taken over from anything other conversations I've been in all week so that's been the talk all week Luke to be honest Yeah and Munster Championship is king as well as the talk after I suppose the, the first round in, in Leinster as well but uh, you can't beat the white hot of the Munster Championship uh, I suppose the big news Jim Bob and the one that I suppose everyone except Limerick fans are, are, are going to be given out about is, is Seamus Flanagan cleared to, to play against Clare. Was it the, the right call from your point of view? Uh, look, you you can get into a heated debate here about um, one certain tackle. Um, the fact that it was shown in slow motion, we see it in other sports, um, the amount of times we look at a penalty and then the referee has to come over on VAR to check and he looks at it five, six, seven, eight times to see if it's a penalty or not. So we see it in other sports, but any time you slow down a tackle in particular, and we'll just take Seamus Fannigan's one, for example, the fact that it was slowed down makes it look like his elbow went up and anyone who played the game or is coaching and tackling something, you can... That can automatically be a given where your your elbow can go up. I'm not saying that he didn't go to elbow him or he did. I'm just saying that that can happen. It's a bit like Richie Hogan's one back in Colbert time. He went in with the raised elbow. Was there intent in it? I don't know. But like, we all we're all Limerick fans. We all wear our green jersey when we're watching the game. There's no doubt about that. We're all biased. If you're from Waterford the other day or you're from Limerick, there's going to be bias. So like you always say, there's three sides to every story. There's Limerick side, Waterford side, and and there's the truth. And like, in this instance, it's a very interesting one. Both Limerick and Waterford are looking for the same thing. And it all comes down to one thing, and that's officiating. 
Um, Liam Gordon's getting a bit of stick, I, I think, from both sides. Uh, and I, I think a lot of it is fairly harsh. Like, I have a thing in the GA, especially inter-county games. I know inter-county now and club are going light years apart from each other. So, if you take an inter-county game, Liam Gordon the other day, uh, part of Waterford's game plan the other day was obviously to upset uh, Limerick. How they done that was when the ball was in, particularly just at the left side of the field, everyone at the right side was pulling and dragging at their players. They were stopping runs, a bit like football. Look, Hurling is taking on the the pat football took about 10 years ago. So in this instance, we expected Liam Gordon to be able to watch the ball. We expected him to be able to watch instances that was going on nowhere near the ball or at the other end of the field. And then uh, a pet hate of mine is where he still has to do the score and the time. Like at Intercounty, do you think it's about time that they took the score and the time off the referee and made it as easy as they can for him to watch the play? The other thing about that is like, and I <laughs> I apologise to anyone I was talking to, but over on the, the new stand or the, the arena stand or whatever it's called in Torles, anybody I talked to over on that side, they weren't even talking about the hurling game. They were they were going mad over the linesman's decision or whoever it was to get Kyle Hayes the yellow card. And they didn't want to talk about a particular score, a particular incident. They were just going on about line. And these are people that wouldn't have known each other. It wasn't like I was just talking to two people <laughs> after that. And I was just laughing. But like, again, was that the linesman f- linesman's fault in terms of um, how much power do linesmen have? Like, we see it in soccer. Obviously, you can't have... Uh, three, two linesmen and a referee in the field all have whistles or to be whistling everywhere but they can wave their flag and give it to the attention they can say whether the ball was a point or give them a bit more power and again like with the referee's job there Liam Garden, like who'd want to do it the other day um, as I said there was players off the ball stopping runs um, there were blocking players they were pulling and dragging um, every kind of a thing was going on and he's only got one pair of eyes um, I think it's time that they seriously have to look at having a lot more officials maybe some people talk about two referees why can't the umpires be referees is there a need to have two umpires in by the goals when you've Hawkeye can one be there by the line to see if it was a goal and have others just walking around the field I don't know we we see it um, in other sports where the ball is moving particularly fast especially American sports like basketball American football there's officials everywhere so you can't get away with the pulling and dragging and then we go on about Seamus Flanagan back to Seamus Flanagan's incident or Barry Nash's or Grod Hegarty's like, there was one stage there, I don't know, do people remember it in the game where Aston Gleeson kicked the ball over the bar and Tom Barron just came in from Waterford and just absolutely took Nicky Quaid out of it. RT Drove could, him into the nest. Now, abso- yeah. It was just, just, there was no no ball there, no nothing, just totally went for him, right? And we, if we had the power as RT do to show the, the replay a couple of times and slowed it down, you could see clear and tint and his eyes were looking, it would have looked, it would have looked desperate. But, there's a couple of things with Dan the other day I think a couple of the Limerick uh, tackles maybe when you watch them over again or whatever maybe they were bothering a little bit harsh or whatever but I think it was all caused over frustration I mean like anybody watching the game from any other county or even from Limerick you have to put yourself into this position I saw Grod Hegarty hardly being pulled at one stage clearly pulled now maybe the referee didn't see it and he was down on the ground he was waiting for free nothing was coming on top of that he was being pulled and dragged uh, Tom Morrissey got Robbie tackled at one stage and there was four or five um, Waterford lads given out to the referee like I have no issue whatsoever with um, with uh, Grod Hegarty's second yellow card. I'd love to know what the first yellow was for. Obviously, I think it was for the synth, what he said to the referee, but there was numerous Waterford lads and Limerick lads, in fairness, given out to the referee all game. Um, I have yet to hear anyone from Limerick uh, say that we want special rules or whatever, and I don't get this playing on the edge. Mm. Like, 
what does playing on the edge mean? Like, like, like there's laws there for a reason. Like referees, the whole like, there's a law book there. If the Limerick players are breaking the law or doing something against the law, by all means. But like, John Kiley's a very hard job. Or, or even Davy Fitz the next day. Just say the game and all. Oh, both teams lost their discipline a bit. Um, like. If I was the manager of the Limerick team now, like you can't go in and go, all right, lads, we need to calm down or tackle a bit, because you will get it alive. It's it's a physical game. Now, the big thing I see, apart from the officiating maybe needs to improve a bit or the referee needs more help, I think, and I've been saying this a long time, in both hurling and football, in, in most sports actually, the shoulder is gone. I think if you're going in with a shoulder, and we see it in rugby, we saw it over the Six Nations, if one lad... I, was it the English lad jumped and he ended up hitting um, the Ireland's full back and it was it was kind of accidental whatever but if you're if you're going in with a shoulder number one you can't control your body because you, you're kind of set and you've your body set then if the other player moves left or right and you clip him on the chin or anything like that now I again this is all I can only make my own decision on it other people have different interpretations the Barry Nash one for example he went into shoulder but while he went into shoulder I think it was Caleb Lyons at, at stage or it was one of the Waterford lads done a movement which he didn't expect so then as it played out it looked like Barry Nash went in and totally took him out of it with the chin and I can tell you now it's, I've seen it happen to her and all that it, there was no intent in it it looked desperate but there was no intent in it whatsoever so I think that we're just seeing a kind of a we're in the period now in both, you see it in other sports, rugby and things like that, where if you're not in control of your body, red cards are becoming more harsh to trying to take these tackles out of the game. So I think we're just watching the evolution of the shoulder being just taken out. I think coaches are going to ha- start realising, I think Richie Hogan might have been the catalyst for this change and it's, t- it's taken a bit longer than I thought. But if you're going in with the shoulder and we're going to see an awful lot more and anybody listening is going to see it, even this year it's going to be a big thing. It was like the throw ball a couple of years ago, a hand pass and throw ball, they were on about that last year. This year they're going to be watching out for head high tackles, concussion, it's the talk. And I think any Limerick player, Waterford player, tip player that leads in with the shoulder and if they don't line that up perfect. 100% shoulder to shoulder they're putting themselves in a serious serious chance of a red card because it's it's just gone out of the game I, we see it going that way and that's just the way it is Yeah it definitely is and it needs to be looked at and I think uh, firmer laws and rules need to be made about it one way or another you can't kind of rely on PR exercises to, to be getting players booked or if certain fans or certain pundits don't like some sort of challenge and, and others do there needs to be I think what Jim Bob is saying a, a clear and definitive line on that uh, that's where time has beaten us here on the Sideline Cut podcast <laughs> as Jim Bob takes a, a sup of his tea there after his, uh, his long rant there but uh, definitely making a lot of sense um, Jim Bob we're going to move on and, and look at the Waterford game a, a small bit more in, in just a minute but talking about John Kiley's words in the 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 aftermath of that game essentially saying that look his team has been bigged up too much we heard about seven in a row and they'll never be beaten they're they're undefeatable saying that it's a a softening up exercise for his side I think you actually touched on it in 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 your video piece with ourselves on analysis um after the game that that look it can seep into the minds John Kiley probably just as much as he's saying it to to the general public is probably saying it to his team as well, isn't he? Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think I, the one thing I took from his uh, uh, post-match interview was that you can't avoid it. 
because um, I, all these players would have been told I, I know this for a fact any inter-county player like there's a great saying we had a book one time of quotes and inspirational things and stuff and there's one quote there from a, from a player's perspective uh, never listen to media because either negative or positive won't do you any good and like what I mean by that is if if you're on social media and it's happened to me I'm sure every player you can't avoid so you're either on Twitter or Facebook on TikTok now all young people are on like if there's somebody there telling you you're oh you played terrible you've done this and that um, it is going to seep into your, into your psyche I assume not because I never had a bad game <laughs> no but it does it, it creeps into your psyche whereas then on the other side what the Limerick players are getting at the moment is oh my god you're unbelievable you're the greatest hurlers of all time Christy Ring wouldn't get it and that creeps into your psyche and um, when it does like it's all great here and things like that but when it does as you say, well, he, John Kiley's own words, a softening. You're, you're mentally going to soften up and think that this is just going to happen. And everyone knows in sport, it doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. So, look, a lot of people um, have often asked me or, or people will be often talking in my presence about, like, Caroline Cora, the sports psychologist. What does she do? Should we, does she be having lads down on the couch and they're telling them all about their feelings? Kind of, and that's what people relate mm. as a psychology session. is. It, it's, it's not. Her whole role is she's a team psychologist she gets unity within a group she'd be the one controlling what to a certain degree what is going into their minds in terms of trying to avoid Facebook trying not listen to them and things like that And but look you can avoid it uh, I think it's a win-win situation for John Kiley and his men the other day um, like people are saying to me uh, just Limerick were poor today but what are they rating that performance off um, like when do we ever like you, the word around the street last week we were talking about it, is Clare going to beat Limerick well in the football what we, what are you rating that decision off so like if we're going from the league games which we've talked about all year saying some of the results in that can be very obscure they can be false so if we're rating Limerick's performance on one of the league games yes it was it was a poor performance because they didn't just um, go through Waterford's defence like a hot knife through butter. But like the like the fact that we're looking, I think an awful lot of people and even myself, I'm guilty of it. We look at the score and we look um, and maybe at the way the game played out. We say, oh, that was a poor uh, Limerick performance. So I'll give the scenario that Liam Garden definitely missed a good few chance, a uh, good few. Um, things that happened in the game that should have been freeze for Limerick just say there was four or five there was way more right so now you've got another four or five points on top of them too mm. Aaron Galan gets the penalty now you're gone to 10 and then they don't get the double block down he doubles on the ball like he did in the league suddenly now you're 13 points up with the very same game pan out him that was a great Limerick performance so we're probably rating it off the score then you have to like people have to realise this year Limerick are going to this year more than any other year they're not going to just every other county isn't going to be just there clapping them saying well done lads and hand them to Liam McCarthy they, they had to come across a different uh, barrier different fence the other day Davy Fitz done something that I don't think has been done too many times if ever to that Limerick team he uh, he basically went man for man he basically put two lads on uh, Groot Hagerty and Tom Morrissey they went man marking them and obviously Caleb Lyons man marked Keane Lynch so what you saw an awful lot in the first half was a load of space in the Waterford defence which you want to be a brave manager and a brave team to try. Um, it didn't work at the start. Um, Limerick went 1-8 to 3 points up after Seamus Flanagan's goal. You'd say, 
I can't answer this question, but did Limerick switch off or did Waterford's tactics start mm. to work a bit? Obviously, you two massive uh, incidents in the game didn't when Declan Hannon went off and uh, Ty De Borka went off. So um, just before I even continue my point, obviously we want to wish Declan Hannon the best look. We hope he's back course, very yeah. quick. But from a, from a lad who's not that long, we've gone a few years now from Intercounty, uh, my heart does go out tied to work. Uh, yeah. I just think any Intercounty player, the commitment that goes into it is just phenomenal. Um, the fact I'm not playing anymore, you even forget the commitment, the gym sessions, psychology sessions, the eating right, the drinking right, the sleeping right, everything. Um, just tied to work has been very unlucky. And back to my point, tied to work was starting to come into that game big time. So I do think maybe it was a bit of both. I think Limerick might have maybe got into that softening exercise where oh, we're flying it again, one eight, three points. Maybe they turned off the light switch a small bit. And Waterford's tactics was start, starting to work. Um, like there was one instance there where Barry Nash got the ball and he always would have three or four options of an out ball. One to Dermot Barnes or Kyle Hayes, depending on what side he's on. One out to Dara Donovan or William O'Donoghue or even one out to Grode Hager to Tom Marcy. One of them three or five people on our would always be free. When Barry Nash looked up the field, he was being put under pressure as well by the Waterford's forwards worked hard. So he had to release the ball. And I saw, was it uh, Dermot Barnes, Barry Nash, a couple of the Limerick defenders, and very uncharacteristic, just hit the ball and tied the Borka was sweeping up because they didn't have the time on the ball that they usually have. So, look, it was a bit of both, I suppose. Waterford's tactics worked well to a certain degree. And I do think Limerick, when it went one eight three points, switched off slightly or, or they let Waterford back into the game. Yeah, it certainly seemed that way, but Limerick got over the line in the end, 118 to 19 points, and uh, let's hope that that's the tightest game they played this season, although I have a feeling it won't be. A big game against Clare, of course, to come on Saturday at the two scale at grounds. We'll look ahead to that one. We'll also have team news as well coming up a little bit later. We'll uh, listen back to that win over Waterford now. Don O'Sullivan and James Jim Bob Ryan, who's with me now on commentary duty. After that, we'll have a word from none other than Marty Morrissey. Already I can see Neil Montgomery's gone into midfield and away we go. Darrow Donovan in there looking to win possession first half. Tap back there by William O'Donoghue into the hands of Keen Lynch. Hand pass off towards Darrow Donovan and across the 40 come Limerick. Charging towards the edge of the D. O'Donovan ball batted down excellently. Being chased back the whole way by Montgomery. And a free out to Waterford as well. Tom Morrissey doesn't get it the first time. Bends down, picks it up on the 21. The running style of Tom Morrissey low to the ground. Oh, don't tell me he scored from there. He has scored from there. Six points to one on the run. Fallen over. Four in a row for Limerick. Flanagan kicks it back towards Galan. Oh, Galan picks it inside his man. Then gets it towards Flanagan. On the 14, Flanagan around the goalkeeper. Oh, can't get the hand. Surely a goal now. It is in the back of the net eventually from Seamus Flanagan. Well, it was a 1-2 soccer style between the two and the full forward line. And eventually Flanagan picked it around the goalkeeper. Picked it up. Back of the net. And I think Waterford halftime can't come quick enough for him. And they need to regroup and refocus. And maybe rightly so. And we very rarely go on about the ref here on commentary. But maybe rightly so. The Limerick crowd are booing a bit because an awful lot of decisions there didn't go Limerick's way. We're away at the start of the second half. It starts as the first did. Ball down towards Aaron Galan. Limerick playing against the wind into the glorious sunshine. Galan lets the ball over the top of a Waterford defender. Higgity goes short towards the edge of the square. Inside is Aaron Galan. Aaron Galan has it. Been manhandled all over the place. To Limerick, and the referee finally makes the decision. Aaron Galan, every single time, what a catch by Keen Lynch, what a ball by Garold Hegarty. Galan, I'll let the crowd tell you whether it goes in or not. Galan lifts it, saved by Billy Nolan. What a block, 50 50 ball. Nash goes across, beaten to it, ball out over the sideline. Oh, 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 o
Gerard Hegarty was struck and he's gone. Even oh, though he did, he's on the sideline. He did, he did. Minters are not allowed to come on and touch a player. And if a player hits him, he's totally wrong. It's unacceptable in the GA that Minters can lose the head and come on. And there's no sanction or anything about it. The Minters allowed to sit pretty inside in the dugout. The Shawat Yazoo. What does that do? Nothing. Nash way up the field takes on his man Barry Nash he's a gun over the bar from Barry Nash he gives the fist pump in the summer and away we go 114 to 13 what a score here's David Reedy on 21 a chance for a goal with Aaron Gillan across oh what a save by Nolan back into the hand of Gillan once more another block what a brilliant piece of defending on the far side of the field it would have been game over there's a scrum in there there's a ruck in there oh away come Limerick and away come the win as well game over questions asked questions answered now we're delighted to be joined by none other than Marty Morrissey, commentator and reporter extraordinaire of RTE, Clare man of course, so um, it's apt to have him on uh, this week. He joins myself and uh, Jim Bob on this Friday afternoon. And Marty, we were just uh, listening there to Limerick's win over Waterford last time out. It was uh, a tight win and one that they really had to, to battle to get over the line in. But look, I suppose that's what champions have to do, isn't it, sometimes? Well, the first thing I want to do is to say that it's a sad day when two Limerick lads have to interview a Clare lad. And, and I'm outnumbered, outmaneuvered. Uh, and I feel totally intimidated here, you know. That's why we didn't ask you into studio, Marty. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. There's no problem. I mean, I enjoyed the crack, sir. I met James only the other day. Um, I, I was at the Galway Roscommon game, um, and but I did see the highlights. And I thought Limerick... Uh, once again, like Limerick are, are the team to beat. Um, they have a group of players there that are exceptional. Um, and like true champions, they responded magnificently because, to be fair, Waterford put up a great challenge. Um, and it, there is the cut and thrust of, of championship hurling. Uh, and sometimes it crosses the line, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but at the end of the day, true champions will stand up to the, cha- to the challenges laid before them. And that's the beauty of this Limerick team, that they, they do... Um, stand up and I think they're an outstanding bunch of hurlers uh, and great athletes and um, so it, it's going to be an interesting championship. I mean in <laughs> I know you guys won't appreciate it at all but I mean it would have been amazing if Waterford had won because I think every other hurling county would have taken some comfort from that because Limerick, everybody feels Limerick is so far ahead of everybody else. On the other hand you could say well hold on now, Waterford did test Limerick uh, and the champions showed why they're champions for the last couple of years. And uh, they're still the benchmark. But there is a bit of hope that others just might be catching up to them a little bit, just for the game of hurling. Not from a Limerick point of view, but for the game of hurling, that there is, there is real competition coming down the tracks. Yeah, Marty, and we're actually going to speak about that uh, a little bit later. And look, I know obviously from a neutral point of view, it's it's always great to see the see the champions beaten. But from 2018 to obviously 2023, now there has been a, a U-turn. Limerick were kind of the darlings in 2018, and now you look on social media, it will say the average fan or keyboard warrior or pundit, whatever way you want to, to look at it, and. There's kind of a lot of negative about Limerick in terms of maybe the discipline and the way they play the game. And it, it wasn't long turning, was it? But I think all all good teams have to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, there's no All-Ireland champion, Championship winning side that you would consider totally angelic. It is a physical contact game. And uh, when, when it's put up to you, you know, you have to respond or else you, you, you lie down and 
you you die in the championship and your your championship is over. Uh, these boys have a unique spirit, um, a unique bond, and I've been privileged to see it up close and personal. I think they're heading to be one of the greatest teams of all time. I think if they won four in a row, um, I think I think they'd have to be labelled like that. They've already done three, and that enthusiasm and that hurling ability, they have a physical presence. I mean, you look at um, Kyle Hayes, Garrod Hegarty, Declan Hannan, Nicky Quaid and Goals. Now, I'm a small fella, but they're all way taller than me. Um, and it's, it's, you know, Limerick are going, this is their golden era, in my opinion. Um, and sometimes we all want, we want success for whatever county or wherever we're from. And if I may say that, like, by the time the Clare team of the 90s were coming to an end. There were people um, kind of going against them as well for different reasons. Uh, but I think it's the nature of the beast. We want a county like Limerick to win. We want a county like Waterford to win or Wexford to win. But then when they've won or, one or two, we kind of start pitting out that they disappear off the radar again. Um, whether that's the Irish begrudgery or not, I'm not too sure. But we, we want them to win for so long. And then if they win, that's great. That's fantastic. Then they win again. Oh, yes, it's all right. I, by the time they've done the third one, you say, oh, for God's sake. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so Mac- we change our tune very quickly. Mac, do you, um James Ryan here. Uh, thanks very much for coming on. It's very much appreciated. I, just your, I great time, Phil. You're no on about um, the Nicky Quaids and the Rod Hagertys and whoever, the Kyle Hayes of this world. I just want to switch codes because I said I met you in the Gaelic Grounds there last week. And mm. I think he's your own club man, um, Keelan Sexton. Uh, he's yeah. Kilmory Brickan. Just even talk about him, his performance, wasn't it? Just like outstanding given the nature of his scores, the, the agility he has. And like, if you had to maybe analyse Keelan the other day, even he wasn't actually even on that much ball. It's just he, he's when he was on the ball, there were the biggest moments of the game. And I suppose, have you many more of them down in your club that good? And a fella just put him beautifully alongside me, just said he's just got that bit of stardust. He was just maybe the biggest difference between Limerick and Clare the other day. So. Well, he, he was the difference because, um, as you said, um, uh, you know, I suppose we're very proud of him down in my home village of Kulshi and Mullock. Uh, and we're proud of him as Timoria Bricken. There are rumours that he's uh, going to join a club in, in Dublin. Uh, we're hoping okay. that's not the case. Um, but he is a lawyer and his work is now bringing him to Dublin for a while. But um, that's something we have to deal with down the road. I, I haven't been talking to myself. But, have a word with him, Marty. Have a word with yeah, him. Yeah, I'd like to hold on to him now for our crowd, I must say. But, um, like, his goal was superb. Um, and, you know, you could say, oh, God, the Limerick backs for once were, because they were good for the rest of the time. But he's he's difficult to mark. He is our star player at the moment. And particularly without David Tuberty, um, who has retired, they'd have been the two best for the last five or six years. I mean, he has a swagger. And as you know, you need to have a swagger. You need to have a confidence when you're playing at this level. And um, it was it was funny. Uh, I mean, I was I was on the, I certainly thought he he should have been nominated for an All Star last year, not win one, but I think he deserved the honor of being nominated for an All Star because he just you you might remember one point down in the second half when he was over at the far side of the field from where we were in the stand, and he took a shot. And Joe Hayes, the former player, I I was doing the Kerry Tipperary uh, game in Killarney, uh, so when I left Killarney, I drove. To Limerick, and I got more or less the second. I got all the second half. But he, so Clare were playing from left to right, so they're heading down towards Cardavan, and um, he, he took a, he took a, a score at the far side. Where most of us, Joel Hayes and myself, said, 
oh, for God's sake, Keelan, you're mad. But he went over the bar. Um, and that's the difference, I suppose, between the ordinary inter-county uh, football hurler and, and then the one that has that extra special class. And in terms of football, in terms of a county like Clare, Keelan does have that. And when he is tightly marked, as I expect he will be, then carrying him on the final indicated bounds, you know, Clare, Clare could well struggle. But he has that bit of class, you know. I have to say, now, I was very impressed with Limerick footballers. And I say that sincerely because I've said it to lads in Dublin uh, where I work. I say Clare could be All-Ireland football champions, let's just say. And then they play Limerick. And all bets are off. Um, and you'd expect Clare, if, if Clare ever won the All-Ireland, uh, that, they, that you know, they'd be up there with the dubs and the carries. But when Clare and Limerick meet... Uh, it's always even Stevens, and I thought Limerick footballers have had a bit of trouble times. I know, but by God, they fought superbly, and they had some really good players, really good footballers, and uh, I, I wish them well because I think that if the once their attitude is right and the good people in charge, which they seem to have now, I would expect Limerick to do well in, in the Southern Cup. Yeah, Matthew, just a one more question for you, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. I get a shock there sometimes when I'm watching GA Gold and all that. I hope this isn't an insult you, but how long you've been doing the commentary. Uh, you were doing commentary in a match there lately, and I was like, you're doing a long time. Do you know, you just forget you're there so long. But is there any particular moment in either hurling or football or any match that springs to your mind you say, that was my favourite game to commentate on or that moment or anything like that in particular that stands out over all the rest of them? You know, I, I suppose, I, 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 and I mean, I still feel I'm 24, to be honest with you, which I'm not. Um, and you don't notice the time gone by when you're, having, when you're having fun. I mean, I'm lucky to have a job that I absolutely love, and I've been very privileged, and I do feel myself lucky. Um, it was hard to get into RTE at the time. Um, I think there are more options now in terms of, like, what you, you guys are doing, like podcasts or uh, local radio stations. Um, but I suppose, you know, there have been some good moments when you, when you say something that you don't even think about saying. Um, you know, there was times when the Offaly Hurlers, when the Dooleys and the Pilkingtons were dominating and Brian Whelan's. And I remember particular moments when you think, oh, God, I, I think I did okay there. You know, that sort of way. And then there were other times you say, God, I could have handled that a lot better. But I, I think, <laughs> I think when, it was on, when I was on the radio uh, in 2013 when um, Donald Donovan scored that point uh, to draw the game after Cork had gone in front, and I went... You know, I felt like saying, holy, something or other. <laughs> and I knew, gee, I, you know, and, and if I had, I'd been fired the following day. But I went biblical, so I went, holy Moses, which is not something I say. I haven't said it since, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I, even I have to laugh. But we all get caught up. I understand, you know, and that was funny you say that, Jess, because on, on Saturday night, I was in the box upstairs. I'm so used to watching the games from up there that I went up there and I was beside Joe Hayes. And I was roaring and shouting my head off. It was wonderful because I haven't been able to do that for a Clare game because you know, normally when I'm at a Clare game, I'm, I'm commentating and you have to, you know, your bias has to go out the window. Um, but I remember that particular moment um, of, of going, holy Moses. So from that point of view, yeah. But I've been, you know, I mean, uh, Limerick winning the All-Ireland uh, for the first time in 45 years. Galway doing it uh, the year before, I think it was. Um you know, there have been so many. And every, every county has a special moment for them, whatever that is. Do you know what I mean? And, and it, I just happen to be from Clare, 
but it doesn't matter. I, I because I'm from a GA family or GA stock, you know what it means to Carlo to win the Joe McDonough or whatever it is. So you just you try and capture it best for them as if you were from Carlo or Wicklow or wherever, uh, and, and try and do it justice and, and do it good for every everybody from that particular county. Yeah, and do it justice. You have done for so long, Marty. Marty, before we we let you go, just uh, I suppose a couple more questions on the the game at the two scale at grounds on on Saturday. Obviously, Clare shipping five goals in a defeat to Tipperary first time out. Look, I know they shot themselves in the foot a couple of times, but it really does pile the pressure on coming to the home of the All Ireland champions and more or less needing a win. Yeah, I don't think there's any way out of this except for Clare to win um, for them. That's a huge ask. Um, and even when they were at their best last year in the Munster final, they still couldn't get over the line. So it is a huge um, challenge. Um, I don't remember us conceding uh, as many goals in a long time. Uh, and normally, you know, over the years, when Gerald Nam was there, Davy Fitz, Anthony Daly, when you go tennis, you make it a fortress and you don't concede. Uh, but unfortunately, things, things went wrong for the Clare defence on that particular day. How they can recover? Uh, will Brian Lohan change uh, his goalkeeper? Um, will he make other changes? I don't know at this stage. Um, uh, you would suspect that he probably would. Uh, but either way, it's a big ask to take on the All Ireland champions, um, and particularly in Limerick and the rivalry that is there. And that's the only thing that might make a difference because. I think Clare played way above themselves last year because it was Limerick, because of that neighbourly rivalry. And we're so in, intrinsically interrelated between marriages and cousins. And, uh, but yet there's a healthy rivalry between Clare and Limerick, respectfully, uh, uh, rivalry uh, between the two counties. I would expect a real humdinger on Saturday night. I think Clare have to throw the, the kitchen sink as much as they can. How much the defeat has had an, an impact on their psychological state. I don't know. At the end of the day, I, was it 323 that Clare scored? Um, yeah, 323, yeah. That, that would have won most games, let's say, in the championship by any standard. Yeah. So, And at the end of the day, having conceded that, that many goals, they still only lost by five points. So there'll be a lot of um, soul-searching and there'll be a lot of dwelling on the positives. Uh, but if Clare are to remain in the championship 2023... I think there's no other way, but they have to try and and get a victory, which looks very difficult. I mean, they've Cork at home, and then they've Waterford and Turles. The back game could be irrelevant, depending on results on Saturday night and results over the weekend or over the next week or two. Just very finally, Marty, I saw David Clifford speaking about, um, I suppose, the, the time that he gives after matches for selfies and jersey signatures. I think he was doing the media rounds during the week. We know how good uh, the Limerick hurlers are with young fans as well. Myself and Jim Bob, off the back of this podcast, were kind of preparing ourselves for all the selfies <laughs> and signatures and all the fans were going to, to gather. You've been at this crack for years. What's the advice? Um, the advice is um, don't expect selfies. Uh, <laughs> you've got to be very, you've got to be very handsome. You've got to be very good looking. You've got to be just plain downright sexy. Actually, so <laughs> I, I have all those attributes. So you know, you know, only a few of us are blessed with those kind of good looks. So lads, I think Luke no. is out, Marty. I think. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind it, Marty? Because I do see you at matches, and you can't walk from 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 one stand to another stand or walk up to the press area without without the, the picture request. Does it ever get to you when you're busy, you need to be somewhere, or are you 
you're happy well, enough. Sometimes I am under pressure and I have to try and keep going. But you know what? Isn't, isn't it nice that people want that? Yeah. I mean, to be worse if they thought you were a bit of an asshole. <laughs> and, and, you know, so this way, I consider it a compliment. And whether they're 7, 8, 9 or 80 or 90, um, God, I, I have no problem giving them a bit of time. Sure. I, I, if I was... If I was looking at somebody who they might know or think they might know and that they would have heard from a distance, um, sure, you want to give them to have lasting memories of, because that's what I mean. Look, we all wanted, in my day, it was getting autographs uh, and getting the Hurley signs. And I've loads of Hurleys at home signed by different people that I admired. So, I mean, I never thought anybody would want myself, nobody, I never thought any day would ever arrive that somebody would want my autograph. Um, uh, just an ordinary old pleb from West Clare. So, you know, I appreciate it. And um, I'm very thankful and consider, as I said, lucky enough that from ages 17 to, to 70, the people even want a selfie. So there's no bother. None whatsoever. And listen, Marty, we appreciate it so much uh, you giving your time and coming on the, the sideline cup with us as well this week. We really appreciate it. Well, the fact that you promised €20,000 to do this interview <laughs> is fantastic, lad. You know what I mean? Look, if you want me again on Monday or Tuesday next week, there's no problem. No okay. problem. You know, we, we might get away with 10,000 for the second <laughs> appearance. <laughs> anyway, keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Thanks, Marty. Marty. Mind Bye yourself. Talk. All the best. Bye. Marty Morrissey there joining us on the Sideline Cut podcast. Uh, fair play to him. He's a gentleman, isn't he, uh, Jim Bob? Yeah. Um, even the last question you asked him there, Luke, about giving up his time in the hall after we were inside the Gaelic Grounds after the game and my nephew was with me and Stopped him up. He was there with a family from Clare. They were delighted after winning the game. Obviously, I was a little bit disappointed. The nephew went in. I asked, I asked him, could we take a photo? And he was wishing Limerick the best of luck. And my nephew was uh, a little bit upset because he's a Tipperary man. Unfortunately, I live in the border, so I was quick to tell him he was a tip man. And he just gave him a little bit of time and all that. Ah, he look. Um, think any people in in dim circles and like he was after a busy day as we said he was down in Kerry and then he came on obviously to the Clare game doing a bit of work with RT or just there as a fan as, as he said I don't know but it's a busy day and look they're just great to give their time and fair play to David Clifford Marty and all them people um, as you say most of the Limerick players have you never hear a bad word about them they're so good with their time as well and, and Dave Clifford actually made a good point in, in that interview he was like obviously he can't get through them all and mm. he tries to do the best he can he has to shower rehydrate get food in have a life outside of this as well but look fair play to them it's unfortunately when you get to to start him I suppose as part, part and parcel he's the Michael Jordan at the moment of the GA world isn't he yeah he, that's it he you saw Foster play Castle Mahon and <laughs> the yeah, crowd sw- sell so, out and, and, most yeah. of, like, and look no no insult to the game itself but a lot of them nearly went there to meet him yeah, like, so yeah. there's an aura about him and a few Limerick players and a few GA players around the country have it and look I suppose you're lucky to have it in one way but it, it's a it's a tough task at times because the most precious thing you can give anyone is time and fair play to most people in GA in that way we love about it they do give up their time we're going to talk about uh, a bit more about that Clare game in, in just a couple of moments. Marty obviously touched on it there. Uh, we did ask our listeners during the, the week, though, um, just for a bit of fun, what player would they transfer into John Kiley's panel if they had to pick one? And I was right when I was speaking to um, our social media manager about putting up the post. I said, I guarantee that uh, Limerick fans are going to say, we're grand with what we have. We don't need any players. And look, they're, they're so right on that front. But look, it was just a, a bit of a laugh as well. Just 
to go through some of the responses other than that popular one that we did get a considerable amount of. Niall Cunahan, I take Tony Kelly and stick him on the bench just so Claire don't have him. Uh, that was a good one. Brian Dore and anyone that can take a sideline cut seems to be the only area we're lacking at the moment. I think that Limerick don't try to go along for with sidelines and I think Dara Donovan's well capable of uh, taking them but uh, I, I take your point there. Uh, Ashling Nee, Rahel, TJ Reid and uh, better that he's married to to a Limerick girl married to Neave de Bruyne is, is TJ Reid. Colin O'Connor, Republic of <laughs> a former Republic of Ireland legend, Paul McGrath, 100% he says. Uh, so we have uh, a soccer centre back thrown in there as well into the fantasy transfers. Brendan Flood, uh, Tipperary's Cahill Barrett, obviously a fantastic full back and a great man marker. We saw the job he did on, on Tony Kelly last weekend. John O'Connor says Galway's Connor Whelan, another great player and uh, Killian Cagney Tipperary's Jason Ford so a spread of a couple of great players there two Tipperary men in there uh, Jim Bob who would you pick and look we won't say that they're going to have to take a, a, a Limerick man's place in the starting lineup, even if they were an impact sub yeah, I'd probably bring myself back, Luke. Can I sit in that bench there and uh, enjoy Limerick winning uh, as a player? Get no, look, it, it, it creates uh, look, a bit of debate and a bit of crack in the whole lot. Like, I was actually thinking about this question while you were reading them out and I'm kind of saying, like, absolutely, Cahill Mannion, TJ Reid, Connor Wheel and Jason Ford. But the biggest question you're kind of after going on is, where'd you put them? So if I was actually to pick a player for the Limerick team, I don't think, I, I think we're okay up front. I even think we have a score and a half back line midfield. So I don't think we're in need of a forward. Um, I, I, I just see, like, uh, Brendan Flood there said, Tipperary's Cahill Barrett and... Caleb Lyons I'd, p- I'd be picking probably somebody like that somebody like I was very impressed with Caleb Lyons job um, he was given a job the other day and he'd done it I like players like that um, I suppose I, I had a small bit of a role like maybe you're picking where you play yourself or you look at the game from where you play yourself as a, as a manager or selector whatever it is so I'd be slow enough at the moment to pick a forward I'm always saying this is crazy because the, like the talk when we would have been playing our years four is uh, we need to produce natural forwards and we don't have enough of them and free takers and all this kind of stuff and, and now we've just an abundance of them and even our young lads coming through they're being blooded this year and they won't be long in the line so I'd probably pick a Caelum Lyons or Dahi Bork or you know like in fairness like Colin Mannion is, is a player I, I admire as well because I just think his striking ability is just outrageous so look there, there's a lot of players out there in the country you'd pick but uh, if, if I to nail my colours to the mast I'd probably probably pick uh, Kyle Barrett considering the job he done on Tony Kelly the other day just maybe because it's this week but he done a great job on him yeah, yeah, he definitely did. A player that I'm very fond of, Desi Hutchinson, I think coming off the bench as a finisher into your inside forward line, I think that uh, he could do some damage. Moving on from that anyway, there were some great responses. We'll have another question up next week, so we're looking forward to hearing your responses on that one. But uh, overwhelming it was. We don't need anyone. We have the best team in the country and uh, we'll keep it that way. And uh, we completely agree with you on that one. That game comes very quickly on the back of the Waterford game. It's only a six-day turnaround, so it's on a Saturday evening. Um, but it's the same for both teams they're out the previous Sunday as well but like again you look at the track record between the two sides in the last number of years and you know it's been tit for tat really and we've always had incredible battles with them again the players know each other exceptionally well they've been competing against each other for many years um, and you know again they bring their own threat their own skill set and uh, with a huge regard and huge respect for them the most of final was you know, a tumultuous game that could have gone either way. And 
we happened to come out on top in the finish, but it took took a long time to get to that destination. And uh, you know, again, they have a lot of young players coming through as well. Uh, their their squad is evolving. A lot of very talented guys there. So, you know, there's no game easy in this Munster Championship. The five teams that are in it are very very talented. Can hurt you badly if you take your guard down for a six, split second, and you know. We'd be just taking it one game at a time, knowing that each challenge that comes along is a really, really dangerous situation. Yeah, absolutely massive challenges in the Munster Championship year in, year out for Limerick. And it's no different this year. We saw that against Waterford first time out. Just look back at the last five meetings between Limerick and Clare in the Championship. The last one uh, was a Limerick win. That was after extra time, of course, in the Munster final. Limerick won 29, Clare 29 points. In the round robin then, the sides played out a draw. 24 points to Clare, 121 Limerick. It was a win back in 2020 for Limerick. 36 points to 123. That one was played at Simple Stadium. That was the one that doubled as the league final as well. 2019 then in the round robin stage is a big win for Limerick at the two scale at grounds. The last time the two sides met there, Limerick 128, Clare 13 points. We take that again, I tell you. And uh, 2018 then the round robin, Clare 26 points, Limerick 15 points. So that was Limerick's only loss in the last five years and that actually meant that they missed out on a Munster final but went through the back door and went on to win their first All-Ireland in 45 years. So history between these two sides, Jim Bob, obviously going back the decades, you think of the late 80s, the whole way through the 90s, the battles that these sides have had and the, I suppose this generation picking up the mantle None more so than, than last year and the three draws in the National League, the round robin and the draw in the Munster final before Limerick went on to win as well. Hardly anything between them. Yeah, <clears throat> Marty said it there as well. Look, it's 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 a rivalry game. Uh, so the very minute you're playing your local rivals, uh, I don't know, a farm kind of goes out the window and we, we use these lines about rivals and farm goes out the window but we want to probably know the reasons why. The reasons why is every ball is battled for um, both teams know each other so well. There's obviously a bit of dissent from the other crowd when they, when they when they do well. If if Clare win a Munster title, you're like fair play to them, but you're like we'll get them next year kind of a attitude, and and Clare have that as well. So, just for the listeners, Jim Bob was vigorously <laughs> shaking his fist as he said that. <laughs> but it's even it's crazy. Even 2018 there. Uh, Limerick didn't actually make the Munster final, and Clare beat him 26 to 15. And there didn't like I know there's a, a lot of things have happened since and, and that but it, it's it's the same kind of players John Collins obviously gone back to centre back and Kyle Hayes even back in the back he was far as that time so even though there's a lot of players the same the teams are nearly completely different but it it even going through the results there if you went back further it's always only a puck of a ball between them even last year as you said what a game of Hurland that was it was one of the best games of Hurland I ever witnessed it was just in to end they kind of had everything even Tony Kelly's sideline that mm. time it just had it all it was a great game of hurling for both of them and I remember uh, I was doing the commentary in that game and going in under the the stand in Turles the roar that the clear players got going into the to the dressing room was just outstanding it was uh, uh, the bit of hair I have in back of my neck stood up it was I, I nearly it was one of the moments we want to be back playing again and uh, I just knew like you kind of you could sense that Clare were going to come with like with passion anyway and a performance just from the roar I got so in fairness to Limerick and Clare brilliant brilliant fan base uh, there'll be a good crowd at the game um, so when you go on about the, the Clare game itself and we'll break it down I suppose 
the three kind of talking points I have or the three main points that people will be wondering about is that like the Tony Kelly factor is going to be one uh, we saw Tipperary the other day it's already been mentioned Kyle Barrett went man to man he just followed him everywhere he went Kyle Barrett followed him uh, I don't care who you are what kind of a forward you are whether you're Lionel Messi or whoever you are nobody wants somebody to be following you and he went everywhere with him and it worked uh, maybe he was able for the job Keane Lynch had the same thing with Caleb mm. Lyons the other day so it'll be interesting to see like Limerick won't do that though then. I, that's what I was going to say we've seen Tony Kelly get 12 points I don't know it was a 9 from play there one game and he usually plays very well against Limerick and what, what he what he does is usually named inside corner forward he could be inside and Barry Nashman then he drifts out to the half forward line he's probably not picked up he picks up a ball or two and then some fella man marks him for a while and his kind of confidence is up and he's out around the middle of the field and drawing a defender out and he's running on the shoulder to a couple of balls so Will Limerick finally put a man marker on him and, and, and maybe curtail him? I, I think if you want to beat Clare, to, you go a long way to beating Clare by curtailing Tony Kelly's their main scorer from both place balls, but he obviously gets a lot from play. The other worrying factor I have coming into this game as a Limerick fan is uh, Clare, the Clare team itself and the way they conceded the goals the other day. No disrespect to Tipperary or anything. I was even talking to a couple of Tipperary people during the week, but out of Tipperary's five goals the other day, you could say that only one of them was nearly well worked. Yeah, they were gifted, a lot of them, yeah. Even like, and maybe I'm being a bit harsh with the penalty because in fairness, they invented the penalty themselves. They created that, but there was nearly no need to to pull him down and they obviously lost David Fitzgerald in that instance as well. But like, Clare aren't going to concede like three, four soft goals again. Well, I'd be shocked if they do. And I even think, if you look at Clare the other day, that a poor enough start looked a bit shaky at the back. I think Waterford were the same. So we're always talking about the league and what does the league do or whatever. Like Limerick, the thing kind of went to form. Limerick powered into the first 10-15 minutes of the championship because they had a good league behind them. And I think Clare and Waterford, I think that was a bit of their downfall, kind of not going well in the league, maybe not having a competitive match coming up to it. And, and they looked a bit shaky because Tipperary were in the league semi-final had a good good 50-55 minutes off Limerick played exceptionally well I'd say they went away happy about their business and we've stuff to work on but they were in a good place so um, the other thing then as well is what way are Clare going to set up we know what way Limerick set up um, are Clare going to take on the the tactics of what Tipperary done I think they done a bit of that last year where they kind of tried to match Limerick they tried to maybe funnel in that middle third make it a battlefield clear player gets the ball run off the shoulder lay it off and they get the shot off kind of bit like running off the shoulder like Limerick do or will they take an approach like Waterford did the other day does every other county think maybe this might be the the system that could unlock the unlock the lock uh, in terms of following uh, Groot Hegarty Tom Morrissey up the field playing a sweep or whatever everybody else marks putting pressure on um, the person the Limerick person in the backs of the ball quickly giving them no time in the ball so look I think they're the three main talking points from, from a clear point of view what their tactics going to be uh, I don't think they're going to concede goals as easy and, and the Tony Kelly factor um, the fact that it's on in Limerick then we know the Clare like playing in the Gaelic Grounds. They nearly see it as a home venue. Any game they don't have on in Clare, even the, the footballers are playing in the Gaelic Grounds again against Kerry. So most of the games they don't have uh, effectively end up in the Gaelic Grounds. So they like playing there. They live near there. Again, you always have the odd scholarish thing then as well kicking in, which doesn't help from a rivalry point of view. Um, that they're all went to school together. They're all friends. And it, it, I don't know, it always, it's like, it's like a parish it's like the club when you're playing a, a club near your, your own village there's always just that different thing in it there's a, a, a as, we, as we say the ball is always competed against that little bit more and the 1% and, and trying to get a score means everything so it, it will be a battle but 
again I think Limerick look the six day turnaround I think a lot of the Limerick players the other day will feel that they underperformed themselves personally and all I know from playing the game myself is there's nothing better than a six day turnaround to play another game to prove yourself you're saying in your head I can do better than that and you want to rectify that as quick as you can so sometimes a six day turnaround can be great in terms of mindset even though it might be great for the body yeah, I, I suppose you you look at their team out and out, Paul Flanagan, Connor Cleary, Adam Hogan, the full back line, usually Dave McInerney, John Conlon, Dermot Ryan in, in, in the half backs and Cahill Malone, Tony Kelly, as you say, can be ghosting around the field. In terms of the forwards, Mark Rogers, a great young player, up and coming, two goals against Tip, Shane O'Donnell, we know all about him as well, uh, came back obviously after uh, a spell away uh, for a championship, uh, Aidan McCarthy as well there on freeze and, and Peter Duggan, so look, they're household names, all these guys, a really great team. I mentioned obviously the defenders and, and they've kept Limerick maybe relatively quiet last year, they didn't really show it against Tipperary, are, are Limerick going to be targeting that? Yeah, um, as you said, uh, it's hard. Again, we're going back to the Limerick performance last week against Waterford. Did they take the foot off the pedal when they went one eight mm. three points up or not? I think we'll see the answer to that question, obviously, on Saturday. Uh, Aidan McCarthy done very, very well. He was one of their star players the last day. And like it's a little bit of a worry when you see Tony Kelly only getting a point the other day. Shane Meehan very good young player class hurling football Jew player came on and scored two points um, Ian Galvin played very well so like as I was saying already if you take away the four goals well definitely three of the goals right maybe been hash for if you take away three soft goals that Clare conceded if you take them away well then the result wasn't that bad for Clare so I thought Clare competed very well. I thought their system of, systems of play started working well as the game went on. Uh, John Conlon looks solid in the in the centre back position. I know he made a mistake for one of the goals, but he looks solid. He was clearing a lot of ball. He was getting on a lot of possessions. He was working the ball. And again, I say this every week because it's the truth. Clare know they're coming into the Gaelic rounds, taking on the All Ireland champions. Any team that plays anything or any player, when you're taking on the best team the best players or you're up against the best player you're in the mindset all week I need to work harder I need to perform I need to be on my game so it's very very easy for a team to get themselves up for Limerick because they know that if they are not at their game or playing to the best of their ability that they're effectively not only going to lose but they're going to get beat fairly well which you've seen Limerick do to a lot of teams so look Clare are going to be massively up for this game uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how Limerick can Shake shake it off now. Um, I think all the focus, which can be a good thing, is on uh, their tackling and things and that. And that can actually be a great distraction away from the whole setup, the way they're playing and all things like that. So, look, it's going to be a mouthwatering affair. Um, I think Limerick are going to come out with a win, but I do think it's going to be close. Yeah, and I suppose just looking at the the Limerick team then, we did mention obviously Declan Hannan that, that he is injured. He's been named to, to start the game against Clare. Look, we're we're kind of speculating on that one. We don't think that, that he is going to line out. If he does, it's a miraculous recovery. But um, the big news, I suppose, on the team other than that is Groat Hegarty, I suppose, dropping to the bench and, and Cahill O'Neill coming into the team, Jim Bob. That's massive, isn't it? And, and that's a shake-up that I suppose... It maybe creates shockwaves throughout the throughout the panel that that no one's jersey is is safe because Groad Hegarty, to my mind, probably plays his best some of his best hurling against Clare, and we've seen some stunning goals from him as well over the last number of years. 
Yeah, but um, I was even only talking to a few lads, just the general lads conversation. It was actually about the soccer uh, last night, Arsenal and Man City. And uh, he was even talking to Telly and we just got into discussion. How good is Pep Guardiola about keeping these unbelievable professional players earning unbelievable money a week and top of their game and top players for the country of keeping them on their toes and effectively what he does he uses the bench a lot he has no problem um, putting one of his best players in the bench to, to play another fella and again it comes back to the Kyle Hayes Declan Hannon missing the league final um, I, I said this the last that we know they're two best players in the country but a player is always uh, lacking confidence or not even lacking confidence but sh- they want to show, they want to show and they want to have belief in themselves and, and they want to be on the team. So, like, the other side of this then is Colin Neal's getting a start. They're rare, they're hard to get. He's young, he's had an exceptional league. Um, you have to start giving these players, if Limerick are going to play all these players in the league and if they end up playing well in most league games, getting great scores and they're getting no championship game, well, it's very hard for them to come on next year in the league and play and have the same interest even if they're not getting any starts in championship. But look, an awful lot of people would have would have said um, they didn't know where. When you ask them where, they might have the answer, but they, they thought Colin O'Neill was going to start in, in the championship. Um his level of performance, his level of scores, his strength condition, his age, his, all the things are pointing in the right direction that he, he's going to be a star player. But look, I, I suppose the shockwave is the fact that Higgity isn't starting, obviously, but it's not a massive shock that Carl O'Neill is, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, it, it's I, <laughs> often I, I, I feel a bit for uh, Carl O'Neill because every game he seems to play seems to be a big one. I think it's a, it's a hard game to come on your first championship game against Clare in the Gaelic rounds where Clare have to win. But look, I suppose that's the 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 joy about Munster Championship. You get nothing easy and um, we wish him the best luck, but it's it's a tall order. They're going to be, Clare are going to come and whatever tactics or game plan they go with, we know one thing that they're going to control is the breakdown and the battle and they're, they're not going to give any limit player an inch. So um, that's, we just know that traditionally that's the way the two teams play out. Yeah, and from the Clare point of view, Eamon Foudy has been dropped after that performance uh, against Tipperary, which is, I know, harsh because it was his championship debut, but uh, no doubt he'll bounce back from that. But uh, other than that, David Fitzgerald coming back into the side, um, it is the same Clare team um, that suffered defeat to Tipperary just last weekend. Well, uh, we were mentioning the Clare versus Limerick rivalry, the fact that it's been going on for decades. We did a documentary piece uh, during COVID back in 2020 about the great Limerick and Clare game of 1996 where Munster semi-final, Limerick went on to win it, went on to win Munster that year. It was Kieran Carey, of course, who came up with the, the big point. And you can listen back to that documentary piece now on the Live95 website, live 95 ie forward slash sport. Like you could even see the tear, kind of, you know, it kind of, I'd say it was kind of boiling in the Innes Road, you know, and a stream of people coming down along past, we say, the old Devon Adams that was there at the time, you know. It was absolutely electric. That atmosphere and the heat inside in the ground, it, it was a special day. The build-up was, as you know, as close to neighbours was, was high. The support from both from both counties was exceptional. The atmosphere, as people were wedged in, you know, you're playing the all Ireland champion who you feel you should have had an all Ireland They had it, we hadn't. You know, it, it, was, it was a cauldron that day. I suppose at the time, I've often said, like, at the time, I probably wasn't too sorry that they didn't collect the All-Ireland. We did. 
the likes of Kieran Carey, Gary Kirby, and guys that were really, really outstanding all stars, and they were, they were very, very good hurlers. Mike Cole and guys like that just really have deserved to win all our medals. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. And you, you see players that were played in that clear team, and you know for a fact that they wouldn't make the Limerick team, and they were picking up all our medals. I felt a bit, uh, a bit wrong to get in Tullis, you know. We had to fix our wounds and leave Tullis and come back and prepare for the following year, 96. You were Ali Baker outside in the middle of the field was a powerhouse, but I think Hulan quite him that day. <laughs> or Sean O'Neill, one of the two of them. He, he got a belt anyway, and no one, no one I think in the country, probably Bar who, who hit him, and Bar Ali, I don't know, did he even know who hit him at Clatter that day? I wouldn't take an absolute centimetre off, off Kiran jump and catch and run it was a thing of beauty and uh, you know I'd have been so proud of one of our lads that had done it yeah Ollie did Ollie should have gone off like I mean he, he's cheap one he still has a start in his day and uh, maybe Ollie should have gone off and Mike should have been sent off to be honest with you Yeah, I tell you, it was as uh, as fun as it sounds putting that together a couple of years back. And uh, thanks to everyone who um, obliged and took part in that documentary. You heard the likes of Tony Considine. You heard uh, Anthony Daly there, Joe Quaid, TJ Ryan. They're all, all in it. And uh, it was a really great documentary to put together. So you can catch that on the Live 95 website at the moment. The Sideline Cut, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements of your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie and we thank our sponsors again for this week's instalment of The Sideline Cut. Jim Bob, just listening back to that, it is a great rivalry and I know it boils over at times, but at the end of the day, it's, it's all in, in good spirits and it's it's great to have that rivalry, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Sure, if you break down sport, I, I often say to teams that I'm training that if you just got handed the cup at the end of the year and said, look, you're the best team, well done, you, you'd have no joy in it. The, the joy in sport is taking on maybe your biggest rivals or your toughest competition or getting over in barriers to win. So you need an opponent. Um, like we all say about Clare and maybe Tipperary or maybe the two I remember growing up because they're, they're both bothering us and the, the talk is nearly there from previous years. But you want to play Clare and Tipperary. Like, I know we're saying, oh, they're going to be a tough battle in the whole lot, but that's why the most championships so good. All the teams on any day, as John Kai said there, if you're not in your your game, if you if you don't turn up on a particular day, you're going to get beat. And yeah, look, I just even I just think 90s, you're, you're done, done the, the promo there in the 90s. 90s was the, the era of nearly every team in the country seemed to be on level pair and anyone could have won it and just every game was health or skelter and uh, I, I don't know it just it just created it was the best advertisement to 90s hurling for hurling moving forward with rivalries and that but as you said there's just something special about Limerick and, and Clare I don't know is it the art school reach the city and people coming in whatever it is but it always builds to be a good atmosphere and if we get any game like we did the Munster final last year was uh, again as I said epic if we get anything similar to that again we'll all be happy we definitely will throw in for that one coming up at 7 o'clock on Saturday evening should be a great game we've full live commentary online on air and on the Live 95 app with Mal Keaveney joined by Leo O'Connor really looking forward to that one before we move on from the senior hurling and the Munster Championship Jim Bob just a quick word on Cork's first outing against Waterford Obviously, Waterford have they kind of blown the tank with that performance against Limerick? Can they bounce back? Obviously, you lose your first two games. I know Cork did it last year, but um, the, the 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 writing is nearly on the wall. And Cork, obviously, fresh coming into this one. Although it's what, probably six weeks since their 
league uh, semi-final loss to, to Kilkenny but should be a really good game you think as uh, Parky Cueve Yeah Cork are a pundit's uh, pothole you just want to avoid talking about them <laughs> because they could just give you egg in your face so quick so um, yeah we don't know what to expect from Cork Cork actually had a reasonably good league um, they got to the league semi-final obviously had a game against Kilkenny that the general public just thought it was a poor enough game but games can every game plays out differently we heard Brian Cody say that year and year and year and you just have to go with it so we don't know we don't know what Cork team show up if, if the Cork team show up and they all play to the best of their ability and their system is right they could uh they could uh, beat Waterford quite comprehensively. Waterford could have a hangover after losing the other day. They could have put all their energy into it, like people were saying, oh, Waterford are going to throw this game and concentrate next one. Uh, maybe the opposite might happen. Maybe they put all their concentration in the Limerick one and the energy might be gone out of the team. But uh, look, to be honest, I'm going to say this about every Munster Championship game. Obviously, it's going to be, I'd say it's going to be a close battle as well. Um, but Cork are, Cork are a, a common county. They've a very, we're saying they've a young team for the last four years, so they can't mm. be young forever. Um, they're after finding a few new players this year. They've ferocious speed. I think Championship will always suit them more than league because they've all um, great stick men. Um, it just, it, it's it's an interesting game. I think we know obviously know more about Waterford than we do about Cork because they play it's Cork's first game. So will the first 15, 20 minutes, will they be a bit like Waterford last week where it'll be slow to start? But uh what it is going to be is a high-scoring game. Will Waterford be able to do the same tactics seven days on, go man for man and follow people? It'll be interesting to see have they got it in the tank and to keep that going for another 70 minutes so close to each other. But um, I, I'm probably expecting Cork to win just on given there's nothing worse um, as a player you should have the, the talk all this week now in, in Waterford and probably the players are probably feeling we should have won last week whereas their mindset should be uh, we need to win this week and maybe they're just still licking their wounds after a game they let's be fair about it they they missed chances to win that game um, and obviously tied the bork out I just think maybe things just went a little bit wrong from the other day and maybe the energy might be taken out of them so I'm giving Cork the win Cork for the win and uh, hopefully Limerick for the win against Clare as well on uh, Saturday evening it should be a great weekend again of hurling just on the, the underage front Jim Bob a, a first defeat for the the Limerick Miners during the week against Cork, 20 points to 114. Look, they won their first three games. They might yet get another crack off the, the Rebels in the final as well. Obviously, they go through to a semi-final and uh, Cork go straight through to the final. The under-20s then in action against Cork as well at the two scale at grounds on, on Friday evening, needing to to win that one to to progress. Just uh, an overall sense of where underage hurling is at the moment, looking at particular the, the Miners and the, the under-20 hurlers. Yeah, look, I, I suppose if, if if me and you are manager of any team, what's your first focus is to win. And it probably shouldn't be in in a certain sense, especially if you're with an underage team. It's about getting players through. So if you're looking at the, the academy from a whole and you're, and you're taking in results in the whole lot, the, the one thing you want to be is competitive. And uh, at the moment, they're being extremely competitive. Again, as you said, the minor hurlers uh, first last there against Cork. Like, we have to realise that I'm watching the, the schools hurling and maybe the academy squads and that. And Cork are becoming very, very competitive, if not very elite. They're winning an awful lot and, and they're playing at high level so um, they're definitely the, the county are one of the 
two or three counties anyway they're definitely coming very very strong with an awful lot of players but look from a Limerick perspective uh, the Limerick Tipperary game was extremely competitive I think uh, the Limerick Twenties would be very disappointed with the first half um, they powered into in the second half and they were just hoping for if it was a 35 minute half like the seniors I think they would have definitely came on and got a draw lost Adam English of course as well yeah yeah, and again a big loss but again they were extremely competitive and like again what you want to see anytime you put underage in it it means they're still learning Um, you, I love seeing character in a team um, to be down that much um, I think when the underage see your, your senior team and uh, the manner in which they play and the way they hold themselves I do, do think it rubs off on underage teams but to be have a first half like that where things are going wrong um, tactics probably weren't, weren't working every kind of a thing going wrong and to come out and show that kind of character in the second half In I know we're, we're not, we, we've had enough moral victories over the year and the whole lot but I just think apart from the result obviously which was disappointing I think they, they gained a lot of respect and I think they they learnt a lot about themselves in that match and again the minors the minors are flying it um, they could have won that game the other day against Cork um, they only lost about three points and as you say they're still in it and uh, minor is very dark still only under 17 so it's very funny sometimes you don't want, if you can at all you want to get to the Munster final the way the Limerick Miners are going they're going to meet Cork in the final hopefully after losing to them so it's very easy to get them up for it all you have to say lads we lost this the last time so buck up so yeah look both teams going very well at the moment yeah they certainly are and from a Limerick senior football point of view Jim Bob obviously we mentioned uh, the Clare versus Limerick Munster semi-final with Marty a little while ago and he was uh, praising the Limerick footballers for their display there it definitely was their best performance of the season Ren Clare very close aside who had just beaten Cork and put that disappointing league campaign behind them the Talton Cup draws on is on Monday afternoon is it a good thing for Limerick to be in the Talton Cup? Is it a bad thing? What were you looking at? It's, look, it's it's three guaranteed games in a group stage against probably sides more around your station. Yeah, I suppose first things first. It's a bad thing in, in the sense that they, they could have, I wouldn't say should have, but they could have won the game against Clare. Mm. I would have put them into a Munster final against Kerry. That's where the players, the trend for want to be. They were there last year. I'm sure they'd love another crack at the whip. Um Look, there was there was just a couple of talk points about the game. Killian Fay, who played very well, got a mark. He known by going by his body language after he missed it in front of goal, he was very disappointed. Brian Donovan went through. Look, he he went he went for goal. We saw the the Monaghan lad get the goal the other day, and he was a hero. Brian Donovan, if he got the goal, he would have been the hero. But if he tipped the ball over the bar at that stage, it would have been a draw. And I don't. It would have been very very much squeaky bum bum time for both teams. Then at that, the game would have been in the melting pot. So. But from a game's point of view, um, yeah, you're right. They're they're going they're guaranteed three four games now in the Telton Cup. Um, the way they played, if they can produce the same kind of performance they did against Clare the other day, they're going to go quite well in the Telton Cup. And um, I just think it's a national title. It's an All Ireland. Uh, I think it'd be massive if Limerick could win that. And I think we've got a serious chance of winning that. Now you have some very good counties in the Telton Cup, like Meath are down there now as well. Um, so it's not going to be easily won. But look, we know from club level, junior B, junior A, intermediate, senior, no matter what you're playing, it's not easy to win a county anywhere. So it's certainly not going to be easy to win a national title. But they're going to get plenty of football games. It'll just be interesting to see what their mindset, their focus, and what way they take that Telton Cup on. And we see from Westmeath last year the joy, the elation. Um, they got from it um, I think 
Uh, it's still only in, a, in its infancy, obviously, but I think the Talton Cup is going to be a massive thing in terms of football. Um, and I think if a team is developing or they want to see where they are into the great stepping stone to go to be a Sam Maguire, prove yourself first in the Talton Cup. If you're one of the developing counties or whatever you want to call them, like Limerick have went from Division 4 to 3 to 2, now they've gone back to 3. If they feel they're a Division 2 team, let's go win the Talton Cup and see where we're at. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, I think that uh, Limerick can certainly give a good show on themselves in the Talton Cup and uh, kick on from there. If you win the Talton Cup, you're in the Sam Maguire the next season. So that's something to, I suppose, strive for, isn't it? Uh, just before we go, Jim Bob, I think uh, Limerick fans, Limerick hurling fans uh, at the moment facing into big games, big Shannon side derbies, trying to defend all Ireland's and go four in a row. They're used to this sound. And that is the engine, of course, of the Limerick naysayers starting up and uh, getting ready ahead of the weekend. And look, just before we go, I think it's it's worth touching on because from our point of view, this is the greatest generation of Limerick hurlers that we've ever seen, a team that are going to go down in history in the county nationwide as well and, and write their names into hurling folklore. But I suppose a, a lot of the talk around Limerick has gone negative and we touched on it with, with Marty. We'll touch on it again now that... I suppose, rather than focusing in on how skillful this side are, how much they give of their time to young fans after the game, it does seem to, the focus seems to turn on maybe the one challenge that went awry or the red card or the discipline issues. It is something that that I know that you have to get used to when you're at the top of the pecking order, but it is frustrating at the same time where you feel that something is being taken away from this side that it's not fair from our point of view anyway. Yeah, look, I, I suppose we can't even avoid um, that engine starting up. It's it's getting louder as the years go on. But as you say, it, it comes with success. Um, I even started feeling it after the weekend myself. I'm not going to lie. There's just a bit of a bit of extra kind of pressure, I suppose. And I, maybe that's done for a reason when when you're when you're the team on top. But uh, look, I saw a quote on social media. It was only today, even like you know that ordinary the public. There's a fifty seater bus and. Royalty, if you're a king or whatever, Lamborghini only has two seats for a reason. It's a lonely spot. So if you want to be up there and you want to be on top, you you have to be you have to be willing to be on your own. You have to be willing to take this on board, carry the weight with you. Um, and I think we need to even get into that mindset as fans that um, look, not everyone's going to want us to win. I suppose we were forty odd years. Like the general public nearly have to thank me. Um, I was part of the era where. Uh, Fans loved us because they were all saying, well, we'd love to see he win something. And now uh, it's the players that are playing at the moment that are the reason behind all this. But look, um, you, I, I suppose we nearly need to change our mindset as fans that, uh, look, not everyone's going to want us to win. Actually, nobody outside of Limerick wants us to win anymore. And as you said a while ago, I was the very same about Kilkenny. I admire and I respect and p- people outside the county do the same for our Limerick team now. They, like They have unbelievable admiration and respect. You even heard Marty Morrissey there saying... Um, how good a team they are from a neutral and the respect to everyone. But then when the ball is thrown in, every other county is c- c- competing. They all want what we have. Um, we're going for four in a row. It was never going to be a walk in the park and go, go on, lads, go on up there, skip yeah. up there and win it. But um, look, I suppose there, if, if even if there's neutrals here listening in and saying, oh, what's the name of the podcast about? Like, a couple of telling signs even this year more than other years like I thought when Keane Lynch was coming on blowing Parky Cueve and he was getting booed whatever like 
there's just you feel that extra pressure or it's kind of coming against us where uh, if Keane Lynch was from a different county he'd got a big massive admiration clap coming on because he was coming back after an injury and a great player he was so Look, and then we're kind of being portrayed a bit as villains as well, let's be fair about it. Like, if Limerick do a tackle at the moment, it's... See, Tommy Welch summed it up brilliantly as well. When you're the All-Ireland Champions, you're going to be on the television more and more. You're there the most. Mm. Um, you're in the biggest games. In the spotlight. Ga- you're in the spotlight. They're the games shown most times. There's the most cameras around Crow Park, the biggest days, the biggest stage. They're the most talked about games. And unfortunately, if you get into an incident, it, it's highlighted and highlighted. And then when you're on four in a row and the same players, like if I had a year for every time, this, I had to listen to somebody giving out about Tommy Welch said he was flicking the helmet every time. And like, my answer to the Tommy Welch incident is if he's flicking the hurley and he, off your helmet and he's catching the ball and he's really good at that well the task you have then if you're not getting a free for it is to level up to learn how to do that and at the moment I think a lot of counties need to level up to Limerick's intensity now I'm not saying that their tackles the other day right were, were all brilliant and maybe they were mistimed or whatever and they have to control that the next day they, um, they need to get, get rid of the shoulder start tackling with the body whatever but Limerick need to keep that level of intensity going because that's what winners do and it's up to other counties to match that but us as fans we are getting a little bit frustrated I can see where the frustration is coming from but if we want to be the 16th man and part of this team we're going to have to get in I think we I think we need Caroline Corrett to give us a big massive um, <laughs> come on this podcast and tell us how we need to go to the matches just we need to keep the head as well. We need to have blue head on as well. Um, respect both teams. And, and again, I, I have to compliment the, the crowd the other day. Our fans, they've done very well. They got behind the team and we tried to sway the referee a bit. We felt he was unfair, but we as fans need to keep the head a bit. It's not going to be easy. You're going for four in a row. And unfortunately, as you said on top, or there a while ago, when you're on top, everyone else wants to drag you down. So that's where you're at. That's where you're at and uh, where we're at is the end of the show. The Sideline Cut is sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements of your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie. Big weekend to look forward to. Limerick welcoming Clare to the two scale grounds for a massive Munster Senior Hurling Championship uh, encounter. You can join us for full live commentary of that one from 7 o'clock on Saturday evening. Our thanks to Marty Morrissey for joining us in this week's instalment. We're off for a short break now because Limerick aren't back in action until the 21st of May against Tipperary as the Munster Championship continues. We'll talk to you then and thanks for tuning in. The Sideline Cut Podcast sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick making the energy requirements for your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie